Hey, you're listening to OasisChurchNJ.com. We're a brand new contemporary Christian church located at 1180 Spruce Drive in Mountainside, New Jersey. Our services are at 11 a.m. each Sunday morning. Come check us out. So we're going to start um, our, our second week. For those of you, I see a number of people weren't here the first week. That was two weeks ago because we had a storm last week. We actually are starting uh, this series called Refresh. It's a relationship series about refreshing your relationships. How many of us need help in relationships? Anybody? <laughs> All right, look at those hands. A number of us, and, and some of us, maybe some of you guys even had an argument on the way over. Anybody have an argument? Don't tell me, I don't want to know. <laughs> or or uh, conflict and so forth, and, and disagreements. And last time we talked about why do people, you love people, you may love someone, why do we fight with the ones we love? And last week, we were talking out of the book of James. We're going to be in the book of James again in chapter 4. We're going to be going through chapter 4 and chapter 5. This is a message guide, and you can follow that along. There's a pen for you, and uh, we have that. And by the way, if you're a first-time guest, uh, we also have a connection card. It's a little square thingy thingy. Uh, there you go. How, what a great timing that was. Uh, a little thingy like this. You can fill that out. It helps us keep in touch with you. It helps us... Um, you know, pray for you, and you could put on there, maybe you want to volunteer, maybe you have a prayer request. We pray for you by name here. And I see the kids leaving. Uh, the kids are dismissed. There's, if you're uh, children, five to fifth grade, is that right? Right upstairs there, like a little press box. It's so cool. I love that thing. Um, you could go right up there. It's a great program that we have, Oasis Kids, and uh, you can go now if you want, or stay here. It's cool. But... Um, we are discussing today how to defuse conflict. Like conflict's like a time bomb going on in, in people's lives. Oh, there you go. Look at that. You know that Mission Impossible? Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's like Mission Impossible. Sometimes it's just impossible to get a. It's just impossible to get along sometimes, is it not? I don't know why it happens, but that's just the way it is. And we discussed this. Last week, uh, why we fight with the ones we love. And we talked about the causes for that. And then we talked about the consequences of that. And today, the good news is we're going to share the cure for that. And James, think of James like a doctor. Think of James like someone who's prescribing something for, for a patient, a spiritual patient. And he t- he's talking about all the different things going on in the life. He's talking about why people don't get along, the causes of it, and What's the medicine for that to make it all better? Uh, Why don't we pray right now and give this to the Lord? Father God, I just thank you so much for this day, and I just praise you for your love. I pray for the brokenhearted today. I pray for the people today that, Lord, they're in a relationship, or maybe they're seeking a relationship, and it's just not going well. There's conflict all over the place. They might have conflict not only with their husbands or wives, but maybe there's conflict with their girlfriends or fiancés or maybe conflict on the job or even conflict within themselves, Lord, about what are, they do, what are they doing with their lives. And Father, we just give this all to you in your precious name. And pray that you would come to us and meet with us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And by the way, I left one thing out of a little announcement. Uh, we like to help, you know, we're a church family. We like to help each other out in this church family. And we have, if you ever need, Larry, can you stand up for a second, brother? I'm sorry. This is Larry. Hey, Larry. Hello, Larry. That used to be a television show, right? Hello. <laughs> 
if you need a, a mechanic or anything like that, uh, this guy does great work. And uh, hook him up. We'll hook you up with him. Just, just get in touch with us uh, through Facebook, and we'll get in touch with that. But I just want to give you a little shout-out to you for that. Uh, you're very welcome. <laughs> no conflict between us. But last week, we, we talked about the causes of conflict. And what we said in James uh, chapter 4, verse 1, James actually brings the question up. He says, hey, guys, the reason everybody's arguing and fighting, and he's writing now, James, and he doesn't pull punches. So don't blame me if this is, if you guys get a little, I hope you're not offended by what we say. But this is just what he teaches. And he says, the reason you guys are all fighting is because you're all into your own pleasures that wage war in the members. And it goes on to say that you want to like spend these pleasures on your own self. And the cause of, of all the quarrels, and not just in the world, and gosh, I mean, look at the world today. I mean, there's wars in 80 different locations right now. I mean, we have Israel maybe thinking about blowing up Iran because they have a nuke because they want to blow them up. And, you know, that's a national quarrel. But then you come down and it all trickles down to the, to the family unit. And we have quarrels and fights and people not getting along. And James goes right to the, to the juggler and says, you know, the reason is you guys are selfish. The reason is all about self-gratification. And that's the first cause that we talked about. It's all about self-gratification. And that's the first. So here he goes. The whole, the whole cause, the whole root cause is all about living for ourselves. And that, we, we, we talked about last week that word pleasure. Interesting. That word pleasure is the root of the word in Greek, hedone, where they get hedonism from. And what hedonism is, is defined this way. Where's my crave case? Oop, I, it's not up there now. Um, but the whole point is that hedone teaches... It's, Defining in this way, it's defined as living for yourself, craving a pleasure as an end in itself. Now, pleasures are fine, right? There's pleasures like sex. There's pleasures like uh, love. And, you know, God wants us to enjoy good things and so forth. Are you trying to take my crave case? Give me that thing. (laughs) This is our crave case. I went out last night and got this sucker, all right? And, and, you know, it's a crave case. And I thought it was interesting because the root of the word in, in pleasure means to crave something in and of itself, no matter what, regardless of what other people's feelings are, regardless of anybody else's uh, well-being, regardless even of your own well-being, that you just have this desire, this craving. You just got to have it. You just got to have it. But uh, that's what that word means. And James is saying... Guys, the reason we're going through all this problem is because you crave something uh, out of proportion to what God wants you to have. And all of us carry around this kind of a crave case. Because that's our nature, he's saying. And it could be something, it could be the real food stuff. And who likes uh, White Castle? We talked about that two weeks ago. A number of us like the old White Castle. Or uh, it it could be sex, right? It could be money. It could be like, man, if I only had a, a bigger house, we carry this around and we're going around and there's only one problem with this is that it doesn't work, James says. It does not work. And this is the lie that Satan feeds us. And this whole series is about the five major lies that we believe, but because we believe them, we can destroy our relationships. 
And that first lie is what we talked about, the fact of the fact that we believe somehow, even though we know that maybe it's not right, but we believe in our hearts that sensual pleasure, sensual pleasure can actually satisfy the hunger that we all have in our hearts. And it's such a lie, and yet we, we continue to go back to that crave case. And some of us go back and back to the crave case because we really think we, we don't believe God's word. We don't believe what God's word says. So you can go on to that next. There should be something in there just defining that, that next uh, verse there. But we believe the lie. This is the big lie. We believe the lie that it's the sensual pleasure. And sensual pleasure is that thing we're talking about, whether it be, it could be anything. You fill in the blank what your crave case is. But we believe it. The only problem is it doesn't work. And we keep going back to it, like myself. Like, I love Burger King. I don't, I don't really like White Castle as much as Burger King. I don't know why. I just like Burger King better. Who's a Burger King person here? Couple. All right. So we have, I think we have more Burger King guys than we have White Castle people. And, you know, you want one hamburger. And the problem with that is because it doesn't work, you go back for what? Two hamburgers, right? And then the cycle continues. And then you're in problems. And James saying, you know, there's a consequence for all this. And that consequence is you're not going to be satisfied. And the consequence is conflict. We talked about that last week. You're going to have conflict in your life. You're going to have conflict with yourself because you're not really getting pleasure from this. But it's like a vicious cycle. And that's what we talked about last week. Addiction is. Addiction is going back and back to the same broken well that you know doesn't really fulfill. But it does immediate gratification-wise, there's that self-gratification, but it doesn't last. So now you're stuck and you just keep going back and back. And God's saying, guys, I have such a better way. And it's me. It's me. And then we have conflict with each other. I mean, you put this crave case in the middle of 10 dudes and they're going to be fighting over it. Right? There's going to be a conflict. And we have conflict in our relationships. Knowing what I know, where I used to work, I would ask, we would do surveys, and I interviewed thousands of people over the years. What's the reason you're breaking up? What's the reason this marriage is not going to work? And invariably, it comes to three things, all at the sensual level. It comes to money. That's the lust, pride of life, right? Lust of the eyes. It comes to sex. Maybe one party you know, feels that they're not compatible. Or it comes to communication with the heart level. And these three things make up the major reasons that people break up. And these three things in our, in our world are the major reason people fight. What are they fighting in the Middle East over? Oil, right? Which, which is really money, which really translates into pride of life. I want what you have, and I don't, I don't care what you get in return. I want my stuff. I want it my way, right? That's what, that's what we talked about last week. And then there's another conflict. It's not con- just conflict with each other. And, and this is, in any relationship, we're going to have that banging of heads because this is just who we are as human beings. But then we're also going to have conflict with God because we're not doing it God's way. And, and that's where James comes in in, in uh, verses 5 and 6. And he says, guys, you know what this really amounts to? It amounts to spiritual idolatry. And this is James talking. And I, I use the, the, the message because it really kind of hits the point, but in the, in the King James and the ESV, it's spiritual idolatry. And he says, you know, God doesn't, just uh, the verse before that, brother, uh, he says, listen, what you're really doing is cheating on me. This is God talking. You're really cheating on me. There should be a verse right after, before that. 
you're cheating on me because you, you, you're going somewhere else to be filled. I want to fill you. I'm your spiritual, in that sense, lover. I'm, I'm the person who, who loves you. I'm jealous, it says in James 4, verse 5 and 6. I'm jealous of, what, of our relationship. Why are you going somewhere, this thing that doesn't fulfill, why are you going over there when I want to give you everything and you're going somewhere else? You ever feel like that in a relationship on a, on a human level where you feel, man, I'm giving my all and the other, the other person is just going other places. This is very hurtful. This is very, a very sad situation. And God is saying, you're cheating on me and I don't like that. And that reminds him of something else. And God, in verse uh, uh, 6, it says, um, there you go. There you go. You're cheating on God. Because all you want to do is your own way. You're flirting with the world. Your friendship with the world. And what God says is when you do that, what goes on is that you're putting yourself in a position of being in opposition toward God. You're putting yourself in a position of, of God being your enemy. And it says this in the next verse. It says, um, thank you. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favor to the humble. I just want to take those three words apart for a second, but today we're going to share real quickly four ways that we can diffuse with that time bomb, tick, tick, tick. We can diffuse conflict in our relationships and be humble because this is a really the prescription God is calling us to live by. The prescription, the cure for why we fight with each other, the cure for conflict in the world, the cure for conflict in your relationship is so simple that we could overlook it, but it's so true and so real. And this is it. The prescription is God says, be humble. It's right in your notes. Be humble. Humble yourself and God will what? He'll heal our relationships. And I want to go back to that one verse. It's so important. Uh, he pulls it, James pulls it out of Proverbs, but... Those, those words are so, so telling. Uh, it says that um, if you're not following this way, if you're following the crave case way of life, that you're putting yourself in opposition. And imagine if you can, like an NFL lineman, the, the all-pro, who's the best? I don't even know who the all-pro, I don't even follow, I'm an Oakland Raider fan, so we're not doing too good this year again. But there must be a great uh, lineman out there you could, you could think of. Picture the all-pro best lineman ever that could protect any quarterback, and, and you put yourself in a position right now, and you're lined up right with him. And that's what God's saying you're doing when, you, when you're living like this. You put yourself in opposition. And that's a very important thing, because that word there that God is using in the Greek is actually God is in full battle array. He's prepared to attack. Uh, how many of you guys like the UFC? When you guys watch the UFC fights? Once in a while, a couple, not many of us. I'm sorry, I, I watch it once in a while. Uh, I was watching it the other night with my son. And like, see, I would not want to be opposing these people. I would not want to be opposing these guys. And they look pretty dangerous. And spiritually speaking, when we oppose God, we, we put, God doesn't want to be in that position, but we put him in the position of opposing us. And the very thing we were looking for, we're not going to find, God says. And we're going to be in an opposition with him. And that word there for, for proud, and you can go into the next verse because we actually have the meanings down there, on there, right there. It should be the next verse. There you go. This is interesting. 
hyperphanos, which literally means to be proud, means to overshine. Isn't that interesting? In other words, you ever meet someone who thinks they're all that? They think their stuff is all together, and some of us are going like this, and they, they can never apologize because they're never doing anything wrong. Uh, you know, those kind of people are, they're so full of themselves, and they're so looking down on other people. And this is the kind of, this is what a proud is. And do you know God hates proud? God hates proud because back from Genesis, Satan, Satan was the, the being, he was a super being, uh, the, you know, the most beautiful being ever created, most intelligent. And one day he says, I will be like God. One day he said, you know, I will do this, I will do that, I will, I will become God. And then he tried, and then he tried to get Adam and Eve to do the same thing. And that's why God hates proud. It just cuts the core of, of against everything God stands for. And when, we're, when we do that, that's the way it is. But we're overshining, we're outshining, we're going beyond what God directs in our lives. And when you, you can tell when you meet a person like that. Whether it's your boss, boy, what I hate to work with. I had, how many of us had bosses that thought they were like God, they had a God complex? <laughs> Man, it's, it's, it's hard. Thank God I have like the, the boss, you know, the best boss, right, God? And, uh, but it's like, it's, that's, that's t- a tough place to be in that. And, and then though, there's the humble. And this is a, an amazing word here. You know, the root of where you get humiliate is, is right there in humble. Uh, but it's not the kind of humiliating in a sense of, you know, you know, when you see like bullying, humiliating. It's more like a self-effacing, like, you know, I never, I don't know much. And, and in fact, uh, it's a meekness. It's, it's a fact that it reminds me of this, this, this true story when I used to work over at the court. I had this judge. His name was Judge Daly. And he was a beautiful man. He was about 60 years old. He wanted to be a priest. And he called me in his chambers one day and says, David... And I'm going, you know, when you go into a judge's chambers, usually something is wrong or something, you know. They're going to, like, rail on you or do something. And I said, what, judge? Because uh, this is when I first got to know him. He says, he knew I was a Christian. He says, can you pray for me? <laughs> can you imagine? I said, what? What's going on? And he said, can you sit down and close the door? And he says, I have this hard case. And this is an intelligent man here. I have this really difficult case, and I really don't know what to do. But I don't want to screw it up. I need God's wisdom, Dave. I, this is a family here, and I'm just a man. I, 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 need your, I need God's help. Can you pray with me? It was so beautiful to see a humble heart, a man in authority, and yet to have a humble heart. You ever meet people like that? Where you, they just like blow you away with their humility. They have like this authority, and yet they don't lord it over people. They don't try to like look down on you. Because they know that where their bread is buttered, right? It's, it's with God. And, and so we prayed together. He said, thank you so much. And it, was like, it gave me goosebumps thinking about that. That's the kind of attitude that God wants you to have in your relationships with other people. If you're humble, it's going to totally cure every problem. Think about it. In the whole world, every situation we're going through, every war, every battle, every family fight, can be cured if both parties practiced humility. If not, you know, the, you know, there's going to be issues. That's what's going on in our lives. So I want you to think about that in your relationships. Just plug it into any relationship. You're in a work relationship, marriage relationship. You know, I don't want to give in to my wife all the time. You know, and we're going to share now real quickly four steps, four ways to diffuse conflict in a relationship. This is all in line with our, with our overall view of why we fight with the ones we love. 
And James's answer, he's a very practical guy. His, as we said two weeks ago, his brother, one of his brothers was God himself, was Jesus Christ. Yes, he had a bro- Jesus had brothers and sisters, probably. And James was the, the, the brother. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Having the, uh, in your family, oh, hi, this is God. This is my brother. It's just, you know, it's not fair, you know. He never does anything wrong, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's how it was. But four things, and the first thing is this. And notice the progression. And what James is doing, it's a staccato. It's really ten imperatives. These are, an imperative is a command. And James is, is saying, listen, guys, you want to be humble? You want to heal your relationships? You want to, like, solve this issue of quarrels and stuff? I want you to do this, 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 this. Ten things. Not legalistically, no, not legalistically, all by grace. And James says, man, I want you to, and we're going to just share four, because the fourth one really is six and one, really. So the first thing is this. He says, submit yourselves to the Lord. He says that in verse 7, the first 7a. He says, submit yourselves to the Lord. It's very interesting, that word, submit. What that means, really, is you're putting yourself voluntarily under a rank of another person, even though you may not necessarily be under the rank, like Judge Daly did with me. He didn't have to call me into that room and say, can you pray? He put himself in a humble, self-humiliating, in a good way, self-humiliating position, a submissive position, because he was looking for me. What I had to say mattered to him. Sometimes you meet people in a relationship, you can see people when they're not submissing to one another. And how, how awesome, how wonderful that in Ephesians 5.21, that's the exact same word that Paul uses, the exact word that Paul uses that we should be submissive to one another because of Jesus. It says, because of the love of Christ, because of who Jesus is, we should do what he, we should be like him. We should, because we love Jesus so much, be Give deference to the other person. That means you're open to what the other person has to feel, to say, to think. You're not judging the other person. You're not looking for blood on the other person. You're actually lowering your rank with the other person and saying, I don't know much, but you know, I want to hear what you have to say. And I want to, I want to give it all to you. And in, in God's way, if you, do, if you submit to God, what you're saying is, Lord, I don't know anything. I'm a screw-up, and... Can you please take my life? I submit to your lordship. I submit to you as my savior and lord and master. And because I've pretty much screwed up my own life, I want you to lead it now. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as doing that. And yet we rebel against that. We don't like that. And you know, um, it's a trickle-down effect. When you're right with God, Proverbs, it says right here in uh, Somewhere, well, I had, I had it up there. In Proverbs, it says, if your relationship is right with God, everything else is going to fall into place with your relationships with others. Think about a spring that starts, a, a, a river that starts way up on top of a mountain, and then it comes down, and it trickles down, and there's this great spring in Watchung Reservation. I used to go to it when I was a kid. And it was, I probably got like some kind of wrong with my stomach, but uh, we would drink from there. This, this spring it was great cold water, and it came from up on top of the mountain. But we got it way down below. But that's the same thing I'm trying to say is if you're right with God up there in the right relationship with him and you're submitting to God, there's no way you're going to be in conflict with your wife or your, 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 your mate or your job boss. There's no way. You can't be in submission to God and then be 
out of submission in other places, in conflict with another person. It's going to be all connected together. Does that make sense? It, it's, so, it's so true. And I find it interesting. The first point here, there you go, there you go. There it goes right there, uh, sixteen seven. And I find it in the UFC, how interesting that uh, when you're going for a battle against someone else, and uh, yeah, boy, that dude needs a dentist. <laughs> Look at that. That's pretty, pretty serious stuff. I thought I was bad. With my teeth. <laughs> but he's putting this guy in submission. Okay, in the UFC, they call it a submission is when they, they tap out. It's called tap out because if they don't tap out, the guy's going to break his arm or something, right? He's going to, you know, so it's very important. So he just goes, I tap out, and that's called a submission. And spiritually speaking, this is our first point. We have to give in to God. That's our first point that we have to give in to God and just say, God, I give it to you. I surrender my life. To you, and it's not because you know we're be, we're in pain or anything necessarily, but it's because we recognize who Jesus is and what He has to offer. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, and we alluded to it last time, is that if you continue to run from God, if you continue to be out of God's will, if you continue to say, "I want my way, I want my way," how like, and no one else's way, not your way either, God, I want my way. If you're his child, he's going to put you in what they call the velvet vice. And he's going, to, he's, he's going to hound you. He's not going to let you get what you want that way. But in love, he's going to put you in submission. Just like that UFC wrestler does it in that way. He's going to do it in love spiritually. So why put yourself through that? How many of us have been through, have learned that lesson that, man, why did I even run away from God? The very thing I was looking to get... I could have got this the right way instead of going to that stupid crave case. Why did I just listen to God in the beginning? But that's why he says, submit yourselves. Not that he's putting us in. Submit yourselves to God. Second point is this. He says this. He says, get tough with Satan. You know, meaning resist the devil. You can't, you can't, even, you can't even get near. Yeah, okay, guys, if you're new here, we do believe in a being called Satan, the devil. He's alive and well today. But guess what? Jesus Christ conquered him at the cross by his resurrection. Talk about submission. It says that in Colossians 2.15, it says that Jesus Christ, by his resurrection, he made a public spectacle of Satan by the cross, by rising from the dead. And that's a beautiful word. I love that word, public speculation. It's one Greek word. And it's like taking guys, the Romans, they took their, their, their spoils of victory and the people they vanquished, and they made them march in chains through the center of town, saying, these are the victims that we conquered. And that's the picture that Jesus gives. Satan is a conquered foe, but he's around. We believe in him. And for whatever reason, God has allowed him to stay here until Jesus comes back. That's just how it is. But God says, hey, resist him. Now, that's weird. How would that, what does that have to do with humility? It has to do with humility because Satan is constantly, he's like a, a devil seeking whom he may devour, a, a lion. He's constantly trying to get you to think his ways. Remember, his ways are the proud ways. His ways is, I don't need you, wife. I don't need you, uh, God. I don't need anything. I want mine and I want it now. If you don't like it, tough. That's God's, that's the attitude. And he's there to constantly feed. And don't, don't remember now, in Luke 4, uh, Satan was feeding Jesus all this line. You say, hey, Jesus. You know, he didn't believe, obviously, because if he knew who Jesus was and really believed it, he wouldn't be doing it. 
But he said, uh, hey, I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you everything. They'll, they'll bow down and, you know, to you, but you just have to bow down to me. I'll give you everything. Some people have sold their souls for this, for that. That's going to rot someday, that case. Some of us right now are, 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 are flirting with the devil. We're, we're, we're in our attitudes, in our minds, we're thinking we don't need God in our lives. That's what's going on. And someday that's going to rot. That's going to go by the way of the law of diminishing returns. Second law of thermodynamics, right? It's going to decay. But by submitting to how do we resist the devil? We resist him and say, he will flee from you. This is not, this is not a, um, a passive thing. It's actively seeking, resisting Satan by faith, claiming the word of God. We do it by the word of God like Jesus did. Third thing real quickly is this. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So important. This is that word draw literally is more of an emotional return to God. It's uh, get close with God, share your heart. In, in uh, Corinthians, Paul, he opened his heart to the Corinthians and talk about a, a, a group of people who were not humble. It's very interesting. They were into the gifts, which is fine. We believe in the gifts also. But the way they practiced them was very proud and haughty. Well, I have the gift of tongues. And, well, I have the gift of healing. Well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Paul. All the stuff that God hates. All the junk that just, is just throw it out. Just, just throw it out. And how interesting that is. And Paul says to these guys, look, guys, my heart is open to you wide, he says in one part of the book. But you guys, and I'm giving you everything. And this is a, he's a representative of Jesus. And, but you guys, your hearts are closed toward me. And some of us, you know, we put up barriers with God. And if you have a barrier with God today, whether it's because of you wanting your own way or whether because it's a particular sin that you just can't give up or you're not willing to do, you're going to have barriers with, with, with everyone else. It's just the way it is. You, can't, you cannot, the way God created you for, for relationship, you cannot have this barrier with God and expect you to have a great marriage. I meet people all the time say, man, we love each other. We're going to get mad. We're going to do this. We're doing this. But they don't have a relationship with God. And they're cutting off the source, the spring, right, on the mountaintop. They're cutting it off. How silly is that? You cut off that. And they say, why would you do that? And what God is looking for us, he's looking for us to draw close to him emotionally. He wants us to share his, our hearts with him. He's a God of the heart. And that's so beautiful and I want you to know, wherever you are today, um, that God loves you, who you are. He, he's looking in your heart. He created your heart. You can share with him your pain. If you're feeling like, God, why did, why did this person get this and I'm not getting that? Why did that person get promoted and he's a jerk and I'm much more qualified and he got this? Why did I lose that, that woman and this person? They all go for the, all go for the dopes. I always hear this guy say, why do the girls all go for the, 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 the bad guy or this and that? And I'm such a nice guy. Why do I always get the, the raw end of the deal? Well, guess what? Talk to God. Share your heart with him. Share your burdens with him. If you're angry, he could take it. He says, let us reason together. He wants a relationship with his kids. He wants us to be, come to him. And some of us, he wants us to come home. You know, we've been running around. And some of us, uh, we may be Christians. And we're running around. And we're so far from him. And it's like the prodigal son. I mean, he just loves you where you are. You know, he just, he just wants you to come home. 
What's stopping? What barrier in your life? Think about it. What barrier in your life right now is keeping you from just saying, Jesus, I just give it all to you. I just, I, I, I share my whole heart with you. Don't be afraid. He's God. He loves you. He died for you on that cross. We're going to have communion in a second and share that. But if, you, if you've never been, if you never had the opportunity, you know, if you never really got to the point where you want to make Jesus your Savior and Lord to know you live in that crave case kind of thing and it's not working and you want to know forgiveness and newness, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm coming home. And he'll forgive you. It says in his word in John six thirty seven, I will never, ever, you come to me, I'll never drive you away. What a beautiful thing that is. I remember the day I did that myself. You have a Savior who loves you. That's what it's all about. That's humility. You've got to come, though, with nothing. You've got to come on your knees. You've got to come like a little child or don't come at all. That's what Jesus says. Last thing is this. Make amends with others. You need to, you know, part of that is repentance. It's, it's the last thing. Get close to God. It's, it's that's the last six things. Can you, can you please change that next one, please? Um, that's right. Get right with others. Make amends. So it's like, you know, he's saying, hey, guys, you know, cleanse your hands internally, externally. You may want to have to go someone and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I really messed you over. That's humility. You may want to say, I'm, I'm, the greatest healing bomb in life is saying, I'm sorry. The greatest healing bomb in life is saying, I forgive you. <laughs> it, goes, it works hand in hand, doesn't it? That takes humility. That takes humility. And guess what? When you do that, there's a promise in God's word, right in verse 10. He's just really banging this humility. Because he says in verse 6 and now in verse 10, he says those, and this is it. He says promise God has and says, if you do this, he says, I'm going to exalt you. If you humble yourself before me in the presence of the Lord, I'm going to exalt you. <laughs> I'm going to lift you up higher. In other words, the very thing you've been looking for living Satan's way, the very thing you've been looking for living your own way, living that kind of way, I'm going to give you. Isn't that the paradox of Christianity? You, you lose your life and you're going to find it. You give away, your, you give away your, your, your treasures and God says, I'll give you 100% more in other ways. That's what Christianity is all about. You'd be crazy to walk out of this room and not give everything. To Jesus today. I'm going to call the band up right now. I'm going to call Mike up. And we're going to have communion. And a beautiful time where you can just come humbly before God today. Amen.